Hey, hey, good evening, church. Good evening, come on, let's go ahead and stand together. It's gonna be an amazing night together. Feel free to put your hands together just like this. Lord, we welcome you tonight. We look to you, we turn our eyes to you, our affections to you, and we lift our voices to you. Oh, yeah. Come on, sing joy to the world. Sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. In heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing.
Like joy to the world, the Savior comes. We all know what this time of year is for, but it's good for us to, right at the beginning of the month, just ask the Lord, Lord, would you show yourself in a fresh way to me this year? We know the story of his coming in the dark night and the silent years when he came as a baby. And so we're asking, Lord Jesus, would you show yourself in a fresh way this year to us? Maybe feel free even just to say that out loud. Just say, Lord, would you show yourself in a fresh way to me? Donna, come on, why don't you go ahead and play your violin just as we pray that and we ask the Lord to show show himself to us.
Tonight, if you're new with us, enter into the story of new life. I want to tell you just a bit about, I think tonight is a historic night in the life of our church. I'm not, I would never waste those words, I promise you. But I do sense in the spirit realm, tonight is a historic night. Uh, uh, Take it way back. When I was two years old, New Life Church was planted. I was two. Tulsa, Oklahoma, little boy in Tulsa. I didn't know anything about Colorado, Colorado Springs. I didn't New Life Church. But some courageous saints took a risk. They fasted and they prayed and they heard God plant a church in Colorado Springs. And they did. And that church started to thrive and started to grow and people started to come. And about, I don't know, four years into being a church, they bought this land up here and it was just cow pastures. And in fact, kind of the legend is the, the Gazette wrote a little bit of a, a sideways comment about new life, essentially saying we just put a nail in our own coffin because no one would ever go there to the north side of town. We'll put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Anyway. So there were people laying on this ground, fasting and praying and interceding. It was just dirt. And they said, God, raise up a church here. Raise up a church here where the kingdom of God would come and the will of God would be done, where the poor would be provided for, where the lonely would be set into families, where people who need to be saved would be called out of darkness and into marvelous light. They laid on the dirt right where we're standing. And they said, God, let your kingdom come. And he answered their prayers. And here we are tonight. I want to invite the kids to start coming up on the stage. Probably not all of you. Just come on. Come on up, kids. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. We brought the kids in because it's historic. So just welcome the chaos. Can we give it up for the kids here tonight? Come on up. Yes. Okay. So the church was planted. And then in 2004, we built this building over here. And it's, we, we've been in $26 million in debt for the last 17 years, 17, 18 years. When Pastor Brady showed up, we were uh, $26 million in debt. And we, and we had been a church in crisis. And so the bottom fell out. And we wondered if we'd be able to keep the lights on. Can we even be a church? We thought we might turn into an old used car lot. And somehow, some way, God provided. And people were faithful. And people prayed. And people gave. And here we are all these years later, and after being 26 million in debt, we are $1.9 million in debt. And, and you all have done that. And we believe that this weekend that debt will be done, retired. We're gonna tear up the mortgage note next week. And so God is already moving and people are already responding, but tonight we're gonna have a legacy offering. Now, let me just say this. There is no shame if you've had a bad year. There's no shame if you're in a season in your life where you're not, you don't feel the strength financially. If that's you, no shame, right? I actually brought $100 in, in ones tonight because I wanna make it so that nobody is unable to give something. So we're gonna put these 50 bucks on each side of the stage. What I'm asking for tonight is 100% participation. If you come in and put a quarter in and say, God bless this quarter, here's my five loaves and two fish, pay this debt off, give that. If you want a dollar, do that. All of the kids have a gift. Kids, raise your gifts tonight. All these kids are coming to give, to participate. Some of them did extra chores this week. Some of them, you know, scrubbed the floor this week. 
They went to their piggy bank this week. One little girl showed me what she brought from her piggy bank. But what we're doing tonight is we're saying, Lord, eliminate this debt and make us a church that is debt free so that we can run fast and we can take care of the poor and we can keep on doing the work you've called us to. So zero shame, but we've got money on the sides of the stage. We've got three baskets, okay? One, two, three, and we're gonna worship. And I wanna invite you to this legacy offering tonight so that next week we can, we can participate in history and next week we can say, Lord, you've been faithful, you did it, it's done. Can you say amen tonight, church? So there's offering, offering envelopes on your seats. You can bring, if you got cash, if you got a check, if you got a card, you can write that on the envelope. There's a, I think there might be a QR code, but you know how to give. We're gonna worship, but let's pray as we give. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness to our families, to our lives, to our own individual stories. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to this church. Thank you for the saints that went before us that paid the price, that sacrificed, that fasted and prayed so that we could be here tonight. And Lord, I pray that what we do tonight would ensure a church for the next 40 years that we would ensure a church into the future for these kids and their children, that they would rise up and worship Jesus and serve the poor here and be a blessing in Colorado Springs. Lord, we pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, amen. I invite you tonight to come through the room. Baskets are down front. There's gonna be dollars on the sides of the stage if you need that. Let's worship the Lord. Kids, you can start by putting your offerings in the baskets. Let's worship. Yeah. 
stretch out your hands tonight. Do you know what this represents? This represents your hard work. We do not take this for granted. You all busted your tails to be able to do this. It represents your faith. It represents the body of Christ believing in one another. 
And it represents a future so that our kids never know anything but a healthy, vibrant church for their kids. Can you say amen tonight? So Lord, a little boy had five loaves and he had two fish and it wasn't going to be enough. On its own, it didn't look like it would do the job, but somehow with you, Jesus, you take it and you bless it and you break it and everybody eats. So we pray you'd do it again. Take it, bless it. The little kids that did chores this week, bless them, Lord. The pensioners, the people living on a fixed income, bless them. The single parents that are working so hard, bless them. The, the elderly who sacrifice and bless them. The business owners who are taking a risk, bless them, Lord. Bless everyone in this congregation, Lord. We pray that these gifts would be a sweet-smelling fragrance to you. And Lord, we pray we'd be able to look back and say, look what the Lord has done. So we say, get it done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Brian. He's our CFO. He's, he can be trusted, okay? Give it up for Brian Newberg. Been here 30 plus years making this place go. Brian, we love you. Okay, take two minutes. Cross the aisle. Hug a neck. Shake a hand. And then I'll come open the Bible. One, two, three. Be nice.
All right, all right, all right. Would you grab your seats? Thank you for taking just an extra few minutes there. It was a special moment we needed to commemorate and settle into, so I appreciate it. Um, tonight we are, we're going through our first, at, sorry, I just got to apologize. I got all this like Holy Spirit adrenaline going through me right now. And I, I feel it tonight. I'm, I'm expectant for the future. It's going to be good. So just thank you for putting up with me. Um, we're in week one of our Advent series, December 1st. Here we are. We want to read these Christmas stories. We want to say, Lord, speak to us tonight. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you 12 verses out of Matthew chapter 2. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, you can join us. But hear the word of the Lord, and then after I read it, I'll pray, and we'll jump in. Matthew 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Go back to the Old Testament. Look at the ancient Hebrew scriptures and figure out the code. Where was the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what was written from the prophet Micah. Micah said this, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least. Everyone say least. You, Bethlehem, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search. So the Magi are moving, Herod is static, he stays, he sent them. Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And the final verse says, they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. I want to take a breath here. Would you just... Get here, put your feet on the ground, settle in with me. We say, come, Holy Spirit. These are ancient stories and it's so easy to just kind of let them become a part of the furniture of our imagination without really getting it. And I pray tonight that you would disrupt all of the, all of the sentimentality and all of the noise and just speak a clear word to us tonight. I pray that your word would race through here. I pray that it would be unhindered. I, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, the unfolding of your word brings light. And so we pray that the light of God would 
rise in this place. We pray that our lives would be illuminated. We pray that we would go from here out into the darkness with fresh light that we've acquired tonight in the presence of the Spirit. Lord, speak to your people, we pray. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Don't you love all the beautiful storytelling around this time of year? Don't you love the the memories that get made, the school plays and the nativity scenes and the children's choir concerts? I was in my son's, my baby boy's 11, in his choir concert yesterday at school, and he's standing on the back row right next to Brody and Josie and a bunch of his friends from the Peach was there and and all these friends from church, Blakely Ann was there, and Wakely just got tickled. He got something got in him, and he was back on the back row just heaving and sobbing and laughing, and we've got a video of it, and his, his music teacher was going, like, don't make me stop this program and and like it was just it was so sweet because the innocence and the trust and the joy and the playfulness I love this time of year for for really the ways that the kids get to teach us how to be childlike again maybe my favorite little video popped up this week and some of you will have seen it but it's one minute long and you will love it watch this little british boy milo guess what i am for the nativity i'm a classic one classic role is it classic part yeah um joseph no uh one of the three wise men no one of the innkeepers no but it's a classic part yeah okay um you tell me then because I'm door holder number three, I'll be holding doors. That's amazing. Holding doors for who? Um, probably um, Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh, were you pleased when they said that? Yeah. I was like, I'm a door holder. Get in there, let's go, yes. Whoa. And, and, and maybe because there's no room, just coming in and then I'll just slam them in, slam the door in their face. <laughs> Is that your style role? Maybe. I'll have to wear, like, brown. Really? Yeah, probably. Thanks. Wow, that's really smart, Milo. It's this time of legend and lore and little British lads called Milo serving as door holder number three. I mean, it's just playful and innocent. And, 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 and you read this story here in Matthew chapter two and you just, there's this little boy that people from the east, they're seeing a star and they heard about a little boy that's born and he's the new king, the Messiah, the Jews, and what's going on and they go on a journey. There's, there's so much beautiful storytelling here and tonight we read about the Magi. Traditionally, we speak of them as what? The three, the three wise men. But there wasn't three of them. Uh, Where do we get that from? Why do we say three wise men? Well, they came bearing gifts and they had gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so just to kind of simplify the story, we go, yeah, there was three of them and there's three wise men and they travel about. But no, I'm here to blow up all of the myths and kind of bust some of the, the false understanding of what was actually happening here tonight. So let me just give you a bit of context, teach you just a little bit. They were likely a much larger group. The Magi, the Magi, what are the Magi? Magi. They're a band of magicians. Now, we just kind of think of guys doing card tricks and, you know, blowing up balloons and like, no, like these are like 
people who have read the stars and they're astrologers and astronomers and they've gone and studied at the greatest universities of the day. They're in Alexandria, they're in Constantinople, they're in Rome. They're, they're down in South, uh, the Persian areas, Oman and, and, and maybe Yemen and Saudi Arabia. These are, these are folks who have done their homework and they've gone to the best schools and they're sophisticates, they're, they're a part of the educated establishment and they're the ancient intelligentsia. They would have been a part of the president's cabinet. And they left their homes and they left their lives and they left their lucrative businesses and they went on a journey to find who knows what. You're getting on camelback in the ancient eastern desert and they're traveling for how many weeks? Was it a month? How, how long did it take? These magi were, were brilliant sophisticates of their day and, and the history is because of the roads being so dangerous, there were bandits all along the roads and under the cover of darkness, they would, they would jump you and they would beat you to a pulp and they would steal your, your resources and run on and they would leave you for dead. Because of that, this group of magi would have traveled with a security detail. They would have been well-paid security detail to keep the ancient intelligentsia alive and safe and protected. It's likely that this was a group of anywhere from 50 to 100 people journeying weeks, if not longer, to follow the star, to see what's going on about this little boy that they heard that was just born the king of the Jews. King Herod was nervous when they came. It wasn't just three people. If it was just three people, King Herod would not have had a private audience with them, I promise you. But when a hundred people who are the cabinet of the Saudi Arabian president's administration, when they come into town, you pay attention. When they've got a private security detail, you pay attention. And we see this because Herod calls together the chief priests and the teachers of the law. After they come, he scrambles to try to find out where this baby's going to be born. Why? So he can have the baby exterminated. Because if there's another king that's just been born, that's a threat and a usurpation to his throne. So King Herod is scared. King Herod calls together his people, his military leaders, because he just got word that this traveling band of magicians and astrologers and astronomers and politicians and wealthy business owners are here to find the new king, which is about to upset King Herod's rule. Do you see the context? The Magi are traveling and they're ready to find out what's going on. It's interesting to think about the moment that we're living in. I'll just kind of, this stood out to me this week and I thought it was worth, worth saying. It's, we have created a false dichotomy today. The, uh, do you remember little Escuelito from Nacho Libre? I, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. Escuelito, right? Anyone, anyone, am, am I the only unsaved person here? <laughs> Y'all acting all holy and stuff. Oh, I was fasting and praying when that movie was released. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Chancho. Sweats. I don't believe in God, I believe in science. We've created a false dichotomy today that either you're a smart and thoughtful, scientifically-minded person that couldn't possibly believe in God, or you're a superstitious, uneducated person that only has the consolation prize of superstitious faith to fall back on. 
I'll call that sort of this Richard Dawkins effect. It really started 200 years ago with the Enlightenment that we, that we created this bifurcation. We separated science and religion. We started to say all the, all the scientists and all the smart people, they, they have to be atheists because you couldn't possibly look at the world and believe that there's a God. And then there's, oh, bless their hearts, all those believers who aren't smart enough to think their way through. That is a false dichotomy that we have created in the last 200 years that never existed and we read about it right here in Matthew. Matthew chapter two, the Magi have faith. The Magi go on a journey. The Magi are paying attention and they've read the greatest textbooks and they've learned from the greatest sages and sophisticates and philosophers and there something stirs in their hearts so much that they leave their lives and they leave their families and they suspend their stories because they have to find out what's going on. We heard that God has delivered us the new king. It's a false dichotomy. I'll say it this way. The Advent story tells us that rigorous education and curious exploration and sincere worship of Jesus were always meant to go hand in hand. Curious exploration, great questions and paying attention and reading and studying and, and, and learning and, and being open to, to, to the world and, and being open to what the, the wisdom of the elders that have gone before us that's been passed on to us, being wise and being learned. The Advent story tells us that we don't have to separate education and exploration from worship. They go together. If Jesus, it was Jesus first that drew the seekers and the scientists and the skeptics in, so let's stop driving them out of the church. They're coming to worship Jesus. Like, we're interested in this story. What's going on with this one? We're paying attention. We're following the star. How are they following the star? Well, they've been studying the stars for generations. So if Jesus drew the seekers and the scientists and the skeptics and the cynics and the ones with really sophisticated questions in, we don't need to be a church that drives those people away, okay? So I'll just say to you tonight, if you've been reading, welcome. If you've been asking good questions, welcome. If you're curious, welcome. If you're paying attention and sort of kicking the tires with this Jesus story, welcome. You are not a second-class citizen. Friends, we have to open the doors of the church back up to people who have been reading and paying attention, who care about this stuff. And you see the magi follow the star and they stumble on to Jesus. I'll just say it this way. If you keep following the star, you will end up at the feet of Jesus. Keep following the questions, keep reading, keep paying attention, keep being curious, keep surrounding yourself with wise counselors, keep, just keep your heart open. And we in the church, if that's not the way you're wired, no shame, but don't drive those people away, okay? We need them all. It takes all of us to be the body of Christ. If you keep following the star, you'll end up at the feet of Jesus. Let me tell you another thing that stands out to me about this text. An interesting detail is Herod heard about Jesus, but he didn't go anywhere. But the Magi interrupted everything about their lives to go on a journey to follow Jesus, to find Jesus. I'll just say, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you everything. And, and that sounds like, oh, gosh, that's a bad deal. You, you, let me help you with your marketing, Daniel. That's not a great sell right there. <laughs> no, the, the, the people who give everything to follow Jesus, I promise, you, you study them, you pay attention, you keep your eyes open, you will find that they are the happy ones. 
It, it doesn't make sense in our spreadsheets. It doesn't make sense in our market economy that it's gonna cost me everything. I'm gonna lose everything. I'm gonna deny myself and take up my cross and load up a camel and go through the Middle Eastern desert and I'm gonna follow the, the clues and I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna be happy. How? But in the kingdom of God, when you lose, you win. In the kingdom of God, when you serve, you're raised up. In the kingdom of God, when you sacrifice, you you flourish. In the kingdom of God, when you give everything, you find that you have everything. It doesn't make sense to, to our market economy, but I promise you, when you follow Jesus and you sacrifice and you put all your chips on the table following this one, you will look up at the end and your eyes will blaze with brightness and holiness and joy and delight and innocence. It doesn't make sense, but you keep following Jesus and you'll be rich. The Magi interrupted everything. Some of you are like, be rich. Uh, Maybe you'll have your pockets full, but I'm saying in all the ways that matter, you will be rich if you keep following Jesus. I have to clarify that because we are so enamored of money today that we think that money is the most important thing. No, it's not. Being happy in Jesus is the most important thing. Being joyful in the kingdom of God is the most important thing. And go to the developing world and look at these believers living in mud huts and and they have joy that outpaces us and ask them if following Jesus is the greatest treasure. They will tell you that it is. Herod heard, but he didn't do anything. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't put any skin in the game. He just started thinking about circling up the wagons to protect himself. And oh, there's a threat out there. But, but these magi left and they, 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 gave, they paid. And I just want you to see the, all these verbs. Matthew 2, verse 1. The magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They came, they moved, they traveled from the east, how many hundreds of miles, and they went to Jerusalem first. Jesus wasn't there. Isn't that interesting? They go to the power station. They go where all the action is. They go to the capital city. They go where the big temple is. They go where all the hubbub and the noise and the the adrenaline is racing, and Jesus isn't there. They didn't find what they were looking for. He wasn't there and their hearts weren't stirred by Herod, so they kept moving. Herod was boring and old and defensive and self-conscious and he was threatened and he was just, he was a diva. And so they set back out and they didn't settle for Jerusalem. They had to find God. So they loaded up their entire caravan of maybe 50 to 100 people carrying their food and carrying their water. I just want you to see how difficult this would have been to, to shift and to leave Jerusalem to go find. They keep looking. The question that this text makes us ask is what will you do after you discover you've been looking for God in all the wrong places? They went to Jerusalem. Surely he's in Jerusalem because that's the only place that matters. That's where the power center is. That's where the really great leaders of the day are. So surely if there's a new king, he's gonna be in Jerusalem. Well, they go there and he's not. Well, what if we're looking for God in all the wrong places? We thought we'd find him in the bottle and he he just, he wasn't there. We thought we'd find him in pleasure and he he wasn't there. And we thought we'd find him with a a, a really robust bank account. And and, and he just wasn't, he wasn't living in that space. Like this question, the question that arises from this little detail in the text is, will you keep moving when you discover where you are is not where Jesus is? Will Will you load back up and go on the journey? Will you get back on the road to find where Jesus is? Some of you have been trying to fill the hole in your heart with all these different things and 
Very often we fill the hole with busyness just to, just to, numb, just to numb the pain. But will you keep going after Jesus when you discover he wasn't where you thought you'd find him? The Magi left their old lives and they moved on. They left home, they left the comfort and they left the, the power structure of Jerusalem and they went on down to follow the star to Bethlehem and they took the risk of living by faith. And I'll tell you again, it seems counterintuitive, but the invigoration of living by faith will keep you alive. Have you ever fallen asleep at the wheel in your faith? I've done it a thousand times. I know how to do the dance. I've got to memorize some scripture and I go to church. And I do, but my heart is not invigorated. Why? Because I'm not, I'm not sacrificing. I'm not really thinking about it. But if you live on the edge of faith, you will be alive, you'll be invigorated, you'll be interesting, you'll be interested, and people will be drawn to you. Why? Because the, the sleeping world is looking for people who are alert and alive. Can I show you a list of the verbs? The Magi from the East came to Jerusalem, and they asked, and they said, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down, and they, they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts. Do you see that to follow Jesus is to be active? It's to be alert. It's to be, it's to be on the edge of faith. If you're going to follow God, you're going to verb your way through life. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be moving. You're going you're gonna to be signing up for the risk. You're going to be signing up for the adventure. We see that with these magi. And they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts. God is not static. God is not boring. God is on the move. And Jesus, when he came and he grew up and he started calling people, what did he say? Come and follow me. If you're gonna follow God, you're gonna live an active life of living by faith. Here's the final detail that I want you to see in this text tonight. I think it's really, really important to name that Jesus is born into a humiliating scene and into humiliating circumstances. This is not the God of the Ritz-Carlton. I mean, it, wouldn't it make sense, honestly, I, and I, I, I don't even begrudge this thought. It, it's natural to me. God of gods, the one who was there and said, let there be and there was, forever in the unbroken communion of Trinitarian love, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, who was and is and is to come. If he's going to leave the celestial heights of heaven, at least put him up comfortably. he's dropped into a manger in a city that had been overlooked. He's dropped into squalor and, and impoverished and he's, he's born into a family story that's vexing at the very least to the community. Born out of wedlock. Y'all been, what y'all been doing back there? And, you know, and, and I promise, I, I promise I've never known him. Yeah, sure, that's what they all say, Mary. Great. Uh, Joseph, you know, he's this poor carpenter, you know, gritty hands and, and, and calluses. And, and, and Jesus is dropped into humiliating circumstances, into a humiliating story. The God of all gods does not race to comfort. That gives me so much hope. 
The God of all gods does not live at arm's length from pain. Gives me so much hope. The God of all gods is not afraid to suffer and sacrifice. The God of all gods is the God who goes first into the squalor of the human story. He's the God who they drop him in a feeding trough. Born out onto nasty floor, water breaking and all the, the animals lowing and, and, and just the, the shame and the embarrassment. You know, Mary, there was no room for them in the end. People wouldn't even look on a fully pregnant woman with compassion and dignity. They had to leave their homeland for a stupid census because the king is scared and he's got to circle the wagons. And here she is on the floor giving birth to God. And you and I should be very happy that God is not afraid of the dirty floor. You and I should be very happy that God is not the God who races to comfort, but he goes into the chaos. You and I should be very happy that Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before Jesus showed up, he said, he, he, he's not one. He's like one from whom people hide their faces. He was not esteemed and beautiful and to be admired. He was one that was wounded and he was crushed and he was bruised. And the punishment that would bring us shalom was put on him. And by his stripes, because he paid the price, we were Praise God that this is not the God of the pedicure and the manicure, the God of comfort and the God of, uh, go get your pedicure and manicure. I don't want to see those nails looking like that. I'm fine with you getting cleaned up, okay? I'm, uh, don't, don't mishear me, okay? But I'm here to say to you, thank God that Jesus didn't live and come to be comfortable. Thank God that Jesus didn't come to stay cozy with the power structures and to live a really safe existence. Thank God he raced right into the madness that was Bethlehem and the dirt floor. We can celebrate tonight because Jesus is familiar with pain. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, Herod asked, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, for Bethlehem, I know that you're overlooked. Bethlehem, I know that people roll their eyes about you. Bethlehem, I know the people immediately go, oh, you're from Bethlehem, oh, oh. And, and I know you have a terrible reputation, but you, Bethlehem, are by no means the least of all. The, for out of you will come a ruler that will shepherd my people, Israel. God goes to the place that nobody else wants to go so that he can bring his salvation. In the kingdom of God, there is no such place as nowhere. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a nobody. And Jesus shows us by where he's born and by where he's raised. They, he, he, they finally leave Bethlehem and they move to Nazareth. And, and, and then finally, Jesus' acclaim is rising and he's healing the sick and raising the dead. And they said, well, where is he from? We need his resume. We got we to find out what has qualified him to be such a great, sophisticated teacher. And they said, well, he's from Nazareth. And what did they say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Praise be to the name of God who graces to all the places that people are running away from. 
None of us would have a chance if we didn't serve a God like this. And some of you tonight need to hear the good news of Advent, which is this, Jesus is always moving into forgotten places to save overlooked people. He's always moving. Where, where people are running away, Jesus runs into those places. The people that have been walked away from, Jesus gets down in the dirt and he goes, hey, come here, hey, look me in the eyes. How you doing? Jesus goes on the boat across to the other side where all the Gentiles, the pagans, the half-breeds, all those, non, those people who are just non-beings, Jesus goes over there. And what happens? There's a man who's in his birthday suit, buck naked, running around, foaming at the mouth. He's the first person that meets Jesus on the, on the shore. And he's the demoniac. We don't even know his name. They locked him and chained him up in the tombs and, and he, was a, he was a nuisance to the society, an embarrassment to their race. And Jesus comes and this is the first person he meets. Do you know what Jesus says? I need you to know. Jesus doesn't go, oh, get the, get the security. Oh my God, oh myself, oh myself. <laughs> security. Jesus goes right up to, and they're trying to protect him. He goes, back up, leave me alone. He goes, what is your name? When was the last time that the demoniac had someone say, what is your name? He didn't say, oh man, you're really troubled, aren't you? You're, ooh, it's kind of a tough story. Hey, what's your name? I need to get down to the root, the essence, the core of your identity. Who are, do you remember who you are, young man? And something woke up in the demoniac that day and it says at the end of the story that he was clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. Praise God that we serve a God who goes to all the people that everyone else has walked away from. Praise God that we serve a God who is not born into comfort to take care of himself, but he's a God who serves and who washes feet. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. The good news of Advent is that this is the God who loves to go to all the wrong places and rescue all the wrong people. And in the kingdom of God, nobody is a nobody. Tonight, I'm aware some of you just had your first Thanksgiving without your people. And Jesus' presence in your life right now, it, it might feel small. Like a little baby in a manger small. Like kind of a quiet presence, not an overwhelming kingly presence. It, 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 Jesus' presence in your life may seem small, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus is with you and he's going to shepherd you home. Some of you may have been in a long health battle. I, I prayed with one of you, my sisters, before the service and you got the worst news you could possibly imagine and we were in the lobby with tears and I, and I, and I, I feel with you. I'm, I, my friends who just buried a loved one this week, I feel with you, I ache with you. Some of you are going through the most horrific moment of your life and Jesus' presence may seem small like little baby in a manger small like unimpressive is he really even there small but if you'll just stay with the story he's going to shepherd you home 
Some of you are in a financial crisis and, and you just don't know how it could ever turn around. It's been year after year, compounding interest of crisis and pain and difficulty. And some of you have wanted to give up. And Jesus' presence right now may seem small, like baby in a manger, insignificant. Is he even really, does he care? Small. But I'm telling you that Jesus, this Advent story is yes, it may start small, but you just watch and you just wait. And Jesus is gonna rise from that stable and he's gonna get his strength and he's gonna find his power and he's gonna come and you are going to be the sick that's made whole. You are going to be the poor that is provided for. You are going to be the one who was on the outside, brought into the center of God's salvation and made the hero. You are gonna be the one whose dirty feet gets washed by Jesus if you'll just hang on. I promise you, Advent, it feels like it takes a long time and it does. And we're waiting for that great second advent, the day of the Lord when Jesus returns on the white horse and there's no more tears and no more sorrow and no more death and no more suffering and no more hospitals and no more ache and no more hatred. We're waiting for that day. It may feel like it's gonna take a while and sometimes it does, but I promise you on my very life, if you wait for Jesus, he's there. He's coming. He's going to make it right. He's going to make all things new. He's going to show you his love. He's going to say, hey, what is your name? And he's going to give you your strength and your identity back. He's going to clothe you and put you in your right mind. You'll be found at the feet of Jesus. Stay with Jesus. He may seem small right now, but he's going to grow up just right in front of you. and He's going to lead you into the way of everlasting life. Friends, can you say amen tonight? Stand with me, please. As the band gets ready to lead us and as the communion servers begin to come, I want us to pray right now. I want us to turn this into a moment of intercession. I want us to turn this into a moment of being honest. I want us to be able to name the heartache. I want us to be able to name the confusion. I want us to be able to name that we are seekers, that we're following this kind of abstract star and I don't really know where this story's going. Like we get to say that tonight like the Magi said that 2,000 years ago. I, I don't know where this story's going but something in me tells me that there's a Messiah for me. So can you close your eyes right now? Can you quiet your heart? Can you put away every distraction? And can you let your longing be stirred? What do we want? All of us just want a savior. All of us just want to know that we're loved. All of us just want to know that we're safe in this dangerous world. All of us just want to know that it's going to be okay in the end. That someone's going to get us home. That, that death isn't going to be the final bit of the story. I mean, that's just human. Like, can you name the ache that you want to know that you're going to be okay? And now, 
I want you to use your own imagination and imagine yourself in the stable that night. Was it cold? It was dark? Uncomfortable? Can you see, can you see Mary and the, the desperation and the, the questioning and the concern and the, what have, I, what have I gotten myself into? And now can you hear the little cry of that newborn? Can you hear the cry of the newborn? That first cry, there's something that just awakens the soul. I've heard it three times. And the possibilities. Oh my God, what might happen? What's the future going to be? There's this new life. Can you begin to call on the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who even started in the mess? Can you take consolation from his comfort tonight, his presence tonight? Jesus is with you and Jesus is for you and there is no place too low (laughs) that Jesus has not been there and that Jesus will not go there with you again. Jesus is with you tonight and I say tonight by the power of the spirit receive him right there you don't have to clean yourself up and race to a nice comfortable place to find he's where you are tonight but you Bethlehem are by no means the least for out of you will come a shepherd that will save God's people tonight I'm asking for a fresh release of salvation And I need you to just activate your faith right now. We're we're about to start praying here. I'm asking for a fresh release of salvation in this house. I'm asking for a fresh reception of the work of Jesus in our lives. I'm asking for fresh hope to rise in this room tonight. Those of you who thought it's over, I'm done. How can I ever recover from this? I rebuke those lies in Jesus' name tonight. And let faith and let hope arise in this room tonight. Let courage arise in this room tonight. Let a future on the horizon pop up and populate your imagination tonight. Let the newness of God come like the sound of a crying newborn baby. Let it be released in this place tonight for your people, oh God. I rebuke hopelessness tonight in Jesus' name. I just sense that some of you are you're hopeless. And I pray tonight as you go to sleep, something would shift in the atmosphere. That the spiritual realm would be just cleansed for you. The principalities and the powers and the rulers rulers of darkness in this world, the spiritual wickedness that has tried to fight against you and destroy you, we rebuke it tonight in the authority of the name of Jesus. And we say tonight, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Only one has paid for it. Only one deserves it. If I left heaven, I would have been comfortable down here, I promise you. But Jesus, you came and you entered right into the mess. And because of it, you're worthy. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you're the only one that would do that. And you would grow and you would rise and you would serve and you would be strong and you would raise people up and we killed you for it but we couldn't keep you down. And because of that, you're worthy to receive glory and honor and majesty and power. Jesus, Jesus, 
Would you, would you just start calling the name of Jesus tonight? Would you just let that be the collective prayer of this congregation? Oh, just over and over, Jesus. Jesus, the Son of the living God, Jesus. The eternal one, Jesus Christ. The majestic one, Jesus Christ. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ. The beautiful one, Jesus Christ. The Rose of Sharon, Jesus Christ. The, the eternal star of heaven, Jesus Christ. The one who was and is and is to come, we call on the name of Jesus. And friends, I leave you with the good news of the scriptures that those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You shall be saved. You're going to make it. You are going to make it. You hear me tonight. You're going to make it. I feel like just the image I have and some of you are like, can we just get, no, we can't get to it. This is it. We're at it. We're doing it right now. I see like like a locker room, like a football coach who's really great and really, really wise and really smart, but also really aggressive. And sometimes you need a coach who'll step up in your face and with like the love of God, like wake you up. I just see like the coach of heaven going, you're gonna make it. Look me in the eyes, like you're gonna make it. We're going to go out there. We're going to win. We're going to, we're going to make it. And so, Lord, let that courage and that hope rise in this room tonight, we pray. Let boldness rise in this room tonight. And, and, and don't look now, but let joy rise in this room tonight. The joy of the Lord will be our strength, like little Milo. He just doesn't have a care in the world. The joy of the Lord. Lord, give us your joy, we pray. And all God's people who can agree with that said, amen. We've got our communion servers here all throughout the room. If you're physically able to come through the room and receive your elements, take them back to your seat, hold them there. If you're not able, tap your neighbor. They'll bring you some. Just let them know. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to sing in Christ alone here. Is that right? Is that what we're doing? We're going to sing in Christ alone here. Let's tear the roof off this place tonight. Let's worship our way out of here. Let's get our joy back and our song back and our childlikeness back. Come and get your communion elements. I'll be back in just a minute and we'll receive together.
you open your communion elements and be ready to receive tonight. Do you know the Hebrew word Bethlehem, Bethlehem? <laughs> you know what it means? House of bread. The bread from heaven came down and was born and they put him in a feeding trough like where animals come and eat. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you, like food and drink. Bethlehem, the house of bread, the place where you're going to get fed. This was an agricultural center that likely fed much of the country. And I just want you to know that if you feast on Jesus, you will never go hungry. Because this is the God, the bread of heaven, who comes to the house of bread, and you'll always be full if you stay with Jesus. And so tonight, as you're receiving the bread, I want you to think about Jesus filling you up, Jesus sustaining you, Jesus satisfying your hunger, Jesus being the true appetite that all of us have. So Jesus, bread from heaven, who came into the house of bread, we love you. Oh, we bless you. Who is like you, Jesus? And you know how hungry we are tonight. You know how much we need to feast on you. You know where we just are. Our pantries are empty alone. You come and you fill us up and you you make us happy. So friends, tonight, Jesus gives you the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, you remember. You may receive the bread tonight. What about the failure and the mistakes and the stupidity and the sin and the frailty and the faults that we bring to the table of the Lord? He goes, yep, I knew that was coming. I made provision for it way out in advance. He says, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's, it's given for the remission of all your sins. As often as you do this, remember that the final word about you is not your stupidity. (laughs) The final word about you and me is not how foolish we've been. The final word about you and me is not what we don't bring to the table. It's that when we come to the table, Jesus goes, here you go. I got you. I got you. You're clean. You're washed. Stay with me. You're clean and you're washed. So friends tonight, those of you who are carrying shame, let it be washed away tonight. Forgiveness at the table of the Lord. You may drink the cup. Can we sing there in the ground his body lay? There in the ground his body. In the ground his body lay. Light of the world Come on, church. Let's sing that again. There in the ground, his body lay. There in the ground, his body lay. Light of the world by darkness lay. Then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave
out with this. Come on. Sing it. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Before I pray the blessing, Kioka, would you come here real quick? We got to celebrate something really beautiful here. Give it up for Kioka, who's coming up on stage. Kioka has been in a hard health run, and she's had multiple surgeries and all kinds of opposition. She is the hardest working solo mama, two awesome kids. She's an occasional adult. Come on. Just this week on Monday, she graduated first in her class with her master's degree. Give it up for Kiyoka Sorrels. Hey, tell, tell us real quick, what was your master's in? Industrial and organizational psychology. I want to work with, in a military community, helping with PTSD, traumatic train in, brain injury, and suicide prevention. No big deal. Good God, that's amazing. We are proud of you. We bless you. And we say, may the Lord provide every need that you have and may you lack nothing. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Would you open your hands to receive the blessing tonight? It's been a beautiful night in the house of the Lord. His spirit has been with us. We're making history. Lord willing, we're going to be debt free next week. I just believe that in my bones. Lord, bless your people. Open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that they don't even have room enough to contain. I pray you would surprise them in every way this week. Be good to them. Surely your goodness and your mercy shall follow them all the days of their lives and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I release blessing in this house. 
I release joy in this house. I release the favor of God in this house. I release courage and hope in this house. I release joy and blessing and laughter and childlikeness in this house. I pray may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his shalom, his peace tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? Would you just give me 60 more seconds? A couple things I need to say. Of course, the prayer team is coming down and they're, they're going to pray for anyone who has any extra prayer needs. If that's you, please don't leave without letting us pray for you. Vincent, wait, raise your hand, Vincent. He's got that beautiful red sweater on back there. Vincent is just a stud man of God. We're doing kind of a Christmas gift drive for families here in the church who are needing some extra help this season. We've got a list of them. They're, they're just excellent, and we're going to take good care of them. If you want to help, and you've got some excess that you want to just bless people with. Vincent can hook you up and get you connected. We'll make that really simple for you to make someone's Christmas really great. Now go from here in God's grace and peace. So much love.